In this recording, we're going to discuss the question of how Dasan and Aviram, the two most wicked Jews throughout the period of the desert, who caused a tremendous amount of problems for Moshe, how they were able to survive Yitzias Mitzrayim when so many other Jews did not leave Egypt. The sources I'm going to go through for this come from an article from Rabbi Stral Danderovitz from the city of Arad in Israel in the Bubaver Torah journal Eitz Chaim, volume 25, beginning on page 411. The basic issue is that the Torah in Shmos Yud Gimel Yud Ches says the Jews left Egypt Chamushim. Now on a literal level that means that they were armed, they had weapons with them, but Rashi quotes from the Medrash that it comes from the word Chamisha, which means five so only a fifth of the Jewish people left Egypt but four fifths of the Jews did not leave Egypt instead they died during the plague of darkness because the these were not people who were fit, who had the merit to leave Egypt, so instead they died during the plague of darkness. Now Rashi earlier in Shmos Yud Chafbeiz, so he deals with this issue in the plague of darkness, and he says, Why did Hashem bring a plague of darkness on the Egyptians? So he offers two solutions. One is, There were some wicked Jews in that generation who did not want to leave Egypt, so even though though Egypt was a place of slavery and difficulty, still some of the Jews didn't want to leave the culture. They didn't want to have to start over. They didn't want to be redeemed. So those people, and we know from Rashi later that that was four-fifths or 80% of the Jewish people, those people died during the three days of darkness. So that the Egyptians wouldn't see the Jews also dying, and then they would feel good about themselves, and they would say, we're not the only ones suffering. So that's why Hashem specifically killed this 80% of the Jews who didn't want to leave Egypt during the plague of darkness so that the Egyptians wouldn't see that the Jews were also dying. Rashi's second answer as to why Hashem brought a plague of darkness is so that the Jews could look around and see where the valuables and treasures of the Egyptians were so that later when they were leaving and they asked the Egyptians to borrow their stuff and the Egyptians claimed that they didn't have anything, the Jews knew that they were lying and they could point exactly where all their valuables were. So that's what Rashi earlier on the plague of darkness comments. Now the question is, if 80% of the Jews did not merit leaving Egypt, then how is it possible that Dasan and Aviram, who ended up being the two most wicked guys in the desert, how did they have the merit to leave Egypt? And we know that they left Egypt because when the Torah tells the story of Korach in the very beginning, it identifies Dasan and Aviram as two of his co-conspirators. So we know that even though 80% of the Jews died in Egypt and were not able to leave, Dasan and Aviram of all people did survive. So the question is, what merit did they have? And in addition, the Haggadah also makes the same claim because when the Haggadah is discussing the four sons, so it says about the Russia, Ilu Hayasham had he been in Egypt Lo Nigal, he would not have been redeemed. So the Haggadah also makes a clear claim that wicked people were not redeemed from Egypt. But on the other hand, we do know that Dasan Vaviram, who proved to be terrible troublemakers and kept running up against Moshe and trying to undermine him, they did survive and left Egypt, which seems to go against the Haggadah's claim that Rishayim were not saved from Egypt. Now, this issue becomes even more problematic because in Shmos Yudalit Gimel, the Torah tells, Va'amar Paro Livnei Yisrael, 
Vochem Hain Ba'aretz, Sagar Alehem Hamidbar. Paro realizes that the Jews are not coming back. So the Torah says that he said to B'nai Yisrael that they're lost in the land and they're not going to be able to deal with the desert. Now, obviously, it doesn't make sense that Paro would say this to B'nai Yisrael because B'nai Yisrael were days away from where he was at in Mitzrayim. So the simple explanation that Rashi and the Ibn Ezra explain is that the phrase live in a Yisrael to the Jewish people doesn't mean literally to the Jewish people, but it means figuratively about the Jewish people. So it's not that Paro was speaking to the Jewish people, even though that is what the Torah literally says. It means that Paro was speaking to the Egyptians about the Jewish people. On the other hand, the Targum Yonasan Ben Uziel, which preserves many older traditions, so he he suggests an approach where Paro is actually speaking to the Bnei Yisrael, and he writes the Yemar Paro ledasan v'laviram Bnei Yisrael demishtayrun b'mitzrayim. Paro turned to dasan v'aviram Jewish people who had remained in Egypt, and he says to them, "The Jews are going to be lost; they're not going to be able to survive in the desert." So Paro is actually speaking to Jewish people when he says this sentence, because there were two Jews who had not left with the rest of the Jewish people. They had remained behind in Egypt and that's who Paro was speaking to when he said that he's going to chase after the Jews. So basically we learn from this tradition which tries to read the Torah Amar Paro Yisrael, that Paro said to the Bnei Yisrael, to the Jewish people, literally, that he was speaking to some Jewish people. So we learn from here that Dasan and Aviram stayed behind after the rest of the Jews had already left. So that now raises the issue. First of all, if they didn't want to leave, then certainly why were they not killed during the plague of darkness like the other four-fifths of Jews who did not want to leave? Second of all, if they didn't leave when the rest of the Jews left, then how did they ever end up surviving and being freed along with the rest of the Jewish people? How did they catch up with the rest of the Jewish people? Now, in terms of making sense of what happened to Dasan Va'aviram that night when the Jews were leaving, Egypt. So basically, there's three different approaches to try to imagine what their role was during the course of those events. The first comes from Reb Mendel of Riminov in his Sefer Menachem Tzion and Parshas Beshalach, and he points out that the Targum Yonasan himself in Shmos Yudalid Yudbeis, when the Jews complain to Moshe on the edge of Yamsuf, and they say we should never have left Egypt, it was better to be slaves but to be alive than to be stuck here and about to die in the ocean. So the Targum Yonasan says that those complainers were, of course, Dasan Vaviram, who are always the troublemakers. So that means somehow Dasan Vaviram went from having a conversation with Paro in Egypt to being together with the rest of the Jewish people on the edge of the ocean. So the way the Menachem Tzion, Rab Mendel of Riminov, explains this is that the night of Makas Bechoros, when the firstborns were dying in Egypt, so that night was total chaos. And the Paro wanted the Jews out of Egypt immediately because the firstborns were dying and he was worried he was going to die. But for some inexplicable reason, the Jews were not leaving yet. They were not rushing out of Egypt. And the Pharaoh couldn't understand why aren't they running out when all they 
they've wanted is to be freed and now I'm freeing them and they're still not leaving. Now, the real reason was because Hashem wanted the Jews to leave in a respectful way. He wanted them to leave on their own terms and not to be driven out of Egypt. In addition, he wanted them to get the valuables of the Egyptians to ask their neighbors to give them their valuables. So that needed a few hours to happen. But in the meantime, Paro didn't understand why the Jews are not rushing out of Egypt. So Dasan Vaviram, who were always the bad guys, they were the collaborators with the Egyptians and with Paro. They were always reporting on whatever was going on with the Jews, telling Lashon Hara to the Paro. So they spent that night wandering in and out of the Paro's palace, telling him that the Jews are confused and they're not really going to be able to leave. So Paro started to believe them that the Jews are not really going to be able to get out of Egypt. But then the Jews did just leave Egypt and the Paro wasn't expecting it. But when the Jews left, Dasan and Aviram joined them and they also left. So according to the Menachem Tzion, that's how Dasan and Aviram had this conversation with Paro about how the Jews are not going to be able to leave. But once the Jews did actually leave, Dasan and Aviram joined them. And that's why they were with them when they reached Yamsuf, even before it had split. So that was the series of events. And that's how Dasan and Aviram ended out of Egypt together with the rest of the Jewish people. On the other hand, and there are two other approaches to this. One is reported in the name of Reb Nata, who is the Mochiach from Dubno. This is quoted from Rabbi Yehuda Leib of Ostra, and it's printed in the back of his son, Rabbi Yaakov Yosef of Ostra Sefer, Rabbi Yevi. So he quotes from Reb Nata of Dubno that there's a medrash that when the Torah says, lahem choma, that the water was a wall on each side of the Jewish people. So the medrash explains that the word choma can also refer not only to a wall, but also to chema, which means anger, that Hashem was extremely angry at the Jewish people. So he wanted to know, why does the Medrash only explain that the word choma means anger the second time it's used in Shmos 14.29, and not when it's earlier used, seven psukim earlier in 14.22, there the Medrash does not explain that the word choma refers to anger. So what's the difference between the two uses of the word choma in verse 22 and in verse 29 that the Medrash only explains it as anger the second time? So he explained that Dasan and Aviram actually chased after the Jewish people together with Paro's army. So unbelievably, they were together with the Egyptian army, which was chasing the Jewish people. But then when they got to the sea and they realized that it was splitting for the Jewish people, so obviously the Jews were going to win this confrontation. So Dasan and Aviram switched sides and they joined the Jewish people and they crossed Yamsuf together with with them. So that's why Hashem was angry the second time the word Choma is used, not the first time, because the first time was the Jewish people themselves crossing. So Hashem was not angry. By the second Pasuk, it's referring to Dasan and Aviram crossing. So that's when Hashem was angry at them because they were such bad guys. So we see from his version of events that Dasan and Aviram were with Paro throughout all of these stories as the Jews were leaving Egypt. They even chased after the Jews together with the Egyptians. Egyptian army and only at the last moment they joined the Jews in the splitting of the sea and they crossed through and survived with everybody else. And this same approach is taken by an Italian rabbi, Rabbeinu Menachem ben Rabbeinu Shlomo, in his collection of Midrashim, Seichel Tov and Parshas B'Shalach, 
So he quotes a medrash that the Amar Paro Libne Yisrael, Paro said to the Jewish people, refers to the conversation he had with Dasan and Aviram, who didn't leave Egypt together with everybody else. But once they realized that the Jews were going to survive and the sea was splitting for them, so they left Paro, joined the Jewish people, and they crossed with everybody else. So that's the second version of the timeline of how Dasan and Aviram left Egypt. Now there is a third approach, which is a very shocking approach. This is mentioned by Rab Chaim Chenovitzer in his Bermaim Chaim in Parshas Bishalach and Shmos Yudalit Chavtes. He quotes that there's a medrash that Dasan and Aviram actually had a second splitting of the sea for themselves alone. So all of the Jews crossed through, reached the other side. And in the meantime, Dustin and Aviram had remained in Egypt. So they were not together with everybody else. And then when they decided to leave, so they actually merited to have a second splitting of the sea special for them. So this is a very surprising idea that the sea split two times and the second splitting was for these two terrible people. And again, the Bermaim Chaim repeats this in Parshas Korach and Bam- Midbar Zion Yud Gimel, that this was why Dustin and Aviram thought they should go up against Moshe and that they should be the leaders instead of Moshe. It was because they misunderstood that since the sea had split special for the two of them, so they thought that they must be very prominent people and that they're more fitting to be the leaders of the Jewish people than Moshe because of that event. So it was precisely this second splitting of the sea which caused them to make the mistake they made running up against against Moshe in the story of Korach. So those are the three different options to make sense of how Dustin and Aviram left Egypt and rejoined the rest of the Jewish people when it seems that they were hesitant to leave originally. Now the question though lingers, why did Dustin and Aviram survive at all if they did not want to leave Egypt and that's why 80% of the Jews were killed because they didn't want to leave Egypt. So why did Dustin and Aviram survive? Now, very poignantly, this question is raised in the Haggadah Simcha Sachag from Rab Chaim Galerter, who was later the rabbi in Kitov. So he writes that in the year 1891, his nine-year-old son, Moshe Dov, asked him this question, that if the Haggadah says that the wicked people were not redeemed from Egypt, so how did Dustin and Aviram survive? And he records their short back and forth about this. And then he says that he looked throughout the commentators and he couldn't find anyone that deals with this question. And he says that it's even more problematic, the tradition quoted in Bermayim Chaim, that the sea split a second time for Dustin and Aviram, which doesn't seem to make any sense considering how wicked they are. Now, unfortunately, Unfortunately, this young boy, Moshe Dov, got sick a year later, and he died four years later when he was only 13 years old. So there's something very poignant about this question that his father records in the name of this young budding Talmud Chacham, who unfortunately was not able to develop because he died at a young age. Now, even though Rab Chaim Galerinter says that he couldn't find any commentators who deal with this question, but in fact, there are some commentators who bring it up, and there are a good number of approaches, and Rabbi Dandrovitz in his article goes through them. So the first suggestion is in a Yemenite collection of Midrashim called the Medrash HaChefetz, which was written by Rab Zchariah HaRofei about 600 years ago. And he quotes a very interesting tradition that 
Moshe actually questioned what Hashem was doing by killing four-fifths of the Jewish people. Moshe sort of complained. He says, Moshe says to Hashem, this is how you reward and treat your children, the Jewish people, nicely by killing them. So Hashem said, Hashem said, let me leave you two of them so you can see the type of quality of people that I'm killing off. So Dasan and Aviram were the two representatives that Hashem allowed to continue living and redeemed them from Egypt in order to show Moshe how much Hashem was helping him out by getting rid of a lot of the troublemakers. So inherently, Dasan and Aviram should not have survived. They should have been killed off like the other 80% of wicked Jews, but they were left alive in order to illustrate how much trouble these Jews would have caused had they been allowed to leave Egypt. So that's how Dustin and Aviram made it out. And interestingly, Rashi on Sanhedrin Kufala from Abayz quotes a similar tradition with regards to Micha, who also ends up causing a lot of trouble later on. The same idea that Hashem answered Moshe that the people he was killing in Egypt were eventually going to cause a lot of trouble. So it was actually for the good that they were dying. So this tradition would answer the questions of how Dustin and Aviram survived and even why Hashem had to do a second splitting of the sea because he really needed them to survive in order to show how much trouble they would eventually cause. And it also answers why the Haggadah says that a wicked son would not have been saved because only Dustin and Aviram were the two exceptions, but a regular wicked person would not have been saved. So that is the first approach to this question. Now, the Rishonim, the Rush in his commentary on the Torah and Parsha's bow, as well as the Balei Tosvos in the Moshev's Kanim. So they both suggest another answer, which is Rashi identified the criteria for leaving Egypt was wanting to leave. So the four-fifths of Jews who were killed during the plague of darkness, it's not necessarily that they were wicked, but it's more that they didn't want to leave the exile. On the other hand, someone could be wicked and really want to leave the exile, in which case they would have been saved. Like nowadays, we might have someone who's not the most righteous person, but if they really want to leave exile, they didn't get comfortable in America or wherever they live, so that person will be part of the eventual redemption. We say the same thing when it comes to Mashiach, that the people who want to leave, who are not overly comfortable in the exile, so that's the criteria for being saved. So if so, the Rush and the Moshev's Kanim suggest that maybe Dustin and Aviram, even though they were very wicked, but they never lost their faith in the redemption. They really wanted to leave Egypt. So therefore they were saved, even though there were other people who may have been even better quality people overall than Dustin Vaviram, but since they didn't really want to leave Egypt, they were comfortable where they were at, so they were not saved. So basically, even though Dustin and Aviram were terribly wicked, they did meet the criteria for redemption from Egypt, which was that they did want to leave and they believed that they would be redeemed. Now, there's two questions on this approach. One, Rab 
Chaim Galerinter quotes from his son Moshe Dov, which is that the Haggadah seems to say a different criteria. Even though Rashi says that the criteria for not leaving Egypt were people who didn't want to leave, but the Haggadah seems to say that it was people who were wicked, meaning they were not following the rules of the Torah. So that's obviously a different approach to who was excluded from the redemption of Egypt, and that should have excluded Dustin Vaviram. The other issue is the tradition from the Targum Yonasan that we mentioned that Dustin and Aviram did not actually leave with everybody else until some point a bit later. So that would seem to indicate that there was some hesitation from Dustin and Aviram to leave Egypt. So then it's not clear why they survived when the other four-fifths were killed off at that point. So that's the second approach. Now, there's another approach, very interesting idea, which is quoted in the Sefer Edus Biyahosef from Rabbi Yosef Halevi Itinga, who was the rabbi in Zoltzbach. So this is a German rabbi, and he quotes that when he was a child, he heard from the name of Rabbi Yaakov Yokel Horowitz, who was the rabbi in Brod. So this was a German idea, and he suggested that there was a difference between Dasan and Aviram as opposed to the rest of the wicked Jews. And that was because Moshe never explicitly told Paro and the Egyptians that the Jews were planning on leaving for good. Moshe only asked that they let the Jews leave for three days. So Paro and the Egyptians presumably believed that the Jews were only going on a three-day trip, and then they would be back at the end of six days. Now, Hashem wanted the Jews to get the valuables of the Egyptians when they left. Obviously, it doesn't make sense to borrow all sorts of valuables and get weighted down if you're only going on a six-day trip and then you're coming right back. What's the point of carrying gold and silver on a six-day trip? So that's why the al explains in Shmos Yud Aleph Beis, the Torah says, Daber ha'am Speak to the ears of the Jewish people and ask them to borrow from the Egyptians. So why did Moshe have to say this into the ears of the Jewish people? That's not a normal way that we describe someone speaking into someone's ears. So the al explained what it means is that Moshe should whisper to the Jewish people that even though he keeps saying that they're only leaving for six days, in fact, they're leaving for good. So that will motivate the Jews to borrow the Egyptians' valuables and take it with them because they're going for good. It's going to now belong to them forever. So basically, there was a whisper campaign amongst the Jewish people to let everyone know that, in fact, they were leaving for good. But publicly, Paro and the Egyptians were only told that the Jews were going on a six-day vacation and then they would be back. So Rabbi Horowitz suggests that if this was the case, that the Jews all whispered amongst each other that they're leaving for good, but publicly nobody else knew that. So that explains why Dasan and Aviram were in a different category because since they were Egyptian collaborators and they would have ran immediately to tell Paro that the Jews are leaving for good. So the Jews excluded Dasan and Aviram from the secret. So Dasan and Aviram, like the Egyptians, did not know that the Jews were leaving for good. They thought they were only leaving for six days. So that's why even though the majority 
majority of the Jews who didn't want to leave Egypt were killed. They were not redeemed. That was only applicable to those Jews who knew that they were being given the option to leave for good and they didn't want to leave for good. But Dustin and Aviram, even though they didn't really want to leave, but they didn't know the actual information because they didn't realize that they were leaving for good. They thought that they were only going on a six-day vacation and that they said, we don't want to do. But they were not held responsible for not wanting to go on that short vacation because that wasn't such an appealing idea to begin with. So therefore, they were not killed during those three days of darkness. So that's Rabbi Horowitz's suggestion that Dustin and Aviram, unlike the rest of the Jews who didn't want to leave Egypt, didn't realize what they were being offered. So even though they didn't want to leave, it's because they had a misunderstanding. They thought they were only leaving for six days. So therefore, they were not killed during the plague of darkness. So this is a cute, sharp idea to explain why Dustin and Aviram survived. And the same idea is mentioned by Reb Nassan Lobart in his Sefer Sheris Nassan. Now, the Chassam Sofer suggests another answer. He suggests that because Dustin and Aviram had had a run-in with Moshe when he was a very young man at the very beginning of his career when Moshe tried to break up their fight and they ended up reporting that Moshe had killed an Egyptian to Paro and Moshe had to run and leave Egypt for 40 years. Years. So Dustin and Aviram had already caused Moshe a lot of harm even before Moshe became the towering leader that he was. So Hashem wanted to make sure that Dustin and Aviram would stick around in order to see Moshe's rise and all his tremendous success and all of the great things that he would do. And then they would get punished in the desert by joining Korach's rebellion. But Hashem didn't want Dustin and Aviram, who had tried to harm Moshe, to leave this world without seeing Moshe's success as a leader. So it's sort of like the ultimate revenge fantasy that when someone hurts someone else, they want that person to then have to watch how successful they become. So that's exactly what Hashem engineered between Dustin and Aviram and Moshe, that they should have to see how amazing and incredible Moshe eventually becomes. Also, as part of this, he mentions that the rest of the Jews, the 80% who died, were righteous when they died. So it made sense to kill them before they became wicked people by refusing to leave Egypt. But Dustin and Aviram were already wicked. So because they were so wicked, more than the rest of the four-fifths of the Jews, so it didn't even make sense to kill them because it wouldn't gain anything since they were already wicked. So the Chassam Sofer believes that Dustin and Aviram were really the two most wicked of all the Jews, including the 80% who died, which is unlike the Yemenite Medrash that we mentioned earlier, that Dustin and Aviram were representative of what those 80% would have been like had they survived. Whereas according to the Chassam Sofer, Dustin and Aviram were worse than them. Now there's another answer mentioned by Rab Arya Leib since in his commentary on the Haggadah, Birkas Hashir, and he suggests that when the Haggadah says that the wicked son would not have been freed from Egypt, it means anyone who was too wicked that they didn't join in the Karban Pesach. They didn't become part of a group in order to do the mitzvah of Karban Pesach. But anyone who joined the Karban Pesach, even if they were a Russia, so inherently they were not a good person, but the fact
fact that they joined with a group for the Karban Pesach merited that they were redeemed from Egypt. And especially in Egypt, where in order to do that Karban Pesach, the Jews had to give themselves circumcision because many of them were not circumcised. So this was a very big deal to go ahead and do the Karban Pesach that first time because it involved a lot of effort and difficulty and pain. So that's how he explains why Dustin and Aviram survived even though they were very wicked because they were willing to be part of a Karban Pesach group. So in that merit, they were redeemed from Egypt. And the same idea is suggested by Rabbi Chaim Galanter to answer his son's question. Now, the problem with this answer is that it really only resolves the statement in the Haggadah that the wicked son would not have been redeemed, but it doesn't answer Rashi's statement that four-fifths of the Jews who didn't want to leave Egypt were killed during the plague of darkness because that happened before the Karban Pesach commandment. So it can't be that the criteria for redemption, according to Rashi, was who joined in a Karban Pesach group. But either way, that's another suggestion based on the Haggadah's comment that the criteria for who survived from Egypt were those who were willing to join and do the Karban Pesach. Now, there's a very beautiful solution from the Maril Diskin, and he quotes that the Medrash implies that Dustin and Aviram were two of the officers overseeing the Jewish people's working. And as we know, those officers were very righteous people because instead of punishing the Jewish people when they didn't meet their quota, they would take the blows and they would get punished by the Egyptians, but they protected the Jews who were under them rather than punishing the Jews and selling out to the Egyptians. So those shotrim, the officers of the Jews from within the Jews themselves, were considered very righteous in Egypt. They sacrificed their own well-being in order to protect the Jewish people, even in the midst of a terrible affliction of slavery. So Dustin and Aviram were part of that righteous group. So the Maril Diskin says that even though they proved to be terribly wicked and they kept running up against Moshe and undermining him, and they turned out overall to not be righteous people, but because they had stood up and protected the Jewish people during their time of slavery, so Hashem did not forget that. And that's why he saved them, even though they didn't really deserve to be saved. So that's a very beautiful answer from the Mariel Diskin, that even though Dustin and Aviram were theologically very wicked and they caused a lot of trouble, but because they had protected the Jewish people, that's why they merited to leave Egypt and even to have the sea split specifically for them. And he also adds that there's all sorts of traditions that when the Jews were at the sea and they saw the Egyptian army rushing at them, so they did a very profound Shuva, they really repented, and that's why the Jews during the splitting of the sea were on a tremendously high level, and they were able to see things prophetically that even some of the great prophets like Yechezkel were not able to see. So Dustin and Aviram were part of that whole tshuva process. They too did a very profound teshuva together with the rest of the Jewish people so that when they split the sea, they were on a very high level, even though later on Dustin and Aviram went back to their sinful ways. But during that 
that time they had repented and they were on a very high level. So that's the Maoriel Diskin's explanation for what happened with Dustin and Aviram. Now this issue as to whether Dustin and Aviram had some redeeming qualities or whether there were times in their life when they were good guys, they were righteous. So there's a lot to say about this. Rabbi Dandrovitz goes through a number of sources. On the one hand, the Gemara in Megillah Yidalef Amid Aleph says, Hu Dustin Vaviram, Hain Barishan Mitrilasan Vad Sofan. That Dustin Vaviram were wicked from beginning to end. There was nothing redeeming about them, and there was no time when they were righteous. On the other hand, there are other sources that seem to indicate that there was something righteous about them. The Ibn Ezra and Bamidbar Tes Zion Tesvav says that they were great people before they sinned with Korach. And there's also all sorts of Kabbalistic ideas that the Arizal said that Dasan and Aviram had a similar type of soul to Moshe and Aaron. That's why they kept running into each other. And there's also a very wild tradition from the Arizal that Dasan and Aviram were recreated as the animals that Eliyahu Hanavi used later on in his confrontation with the idolaters to prove that Hashem is correct. So those animals had the souls of Dasan and Aviram, and that's when Dasan and Aviram were redeemed, so to speak, for all the terrible things that they had done in this world. So basically, there's a lot of different sources that weigh in on this issue as to whether Dasan and Aviram may have had some good redeeming qualities or not, and the Maril Diskin's approach assumes that there were good things they had done in their lives, and there were times when they were good guys. Now, one final solution that Rabbi Dandrovitz himself suggests, and this is a very nice idea, is that Rashi said that the Jews died during the plague of darkness so that the Egyptians wouldn't notice that the Jews were dying. And the Egyptians would think that it's not only us who are suffering, but the Jews are as well. So that's why Hashem killed the Jews at a time when the Egyptians wouldn't see them. So he suggests that maybe Dustin and Aviram, precisely because they were such high profile collaborators with the Egyptians, so the Egyptians knew them very well because they were always reporting on the Jewish people's doings. So the Egyptians would have noticed if Dustin and Aviram had died, even if it had happened during the plague of darkness. So even though they wouldn't have seen them die at that time, but once the light resumed, the Egyptians would have noticed that Dustin and Aviram are no longer around. They would have searched after them and they would have seen that they died. So there was no way to kill Dustin and Aviram during the plague of darkness without the Egyptians realizing. That's why they survived and were taken out of Egypt, as opposed to the other four-fifths of the the Jews who didn't want to leave. So since they were less high profile and they weren't as bad as Dust and Vaviram, they were not collaborating with the Egyptians. So that's why Hashem was able to kill them and the Egyptians didn't notice. So that might be another solution as to why Dustin and Aviram were not killed during the plague of darkness. On the other hand, one could wonder whether it's really possible that four-fifths of the Jews died during the plague of darkness and none of the Egyptians noticed once it got light out.